Inside Chicago Government. ShyGov.com. This is Dave Gloetz. On the phone with me is Tracy Sisko, Executive Director of the Chicago Justice Project. The Chicago Justice Project is a non-governmental organization, or NGO, that says its mission is to access and analyze data from criminal justice agencies to promote evidence-based reforms that will better serve justice needs of local communities. Tracy, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you so much for having me. Today we're talking about a website called Convicted and Cook, which contains an analysis of conviction data from the Cook County Circuit Court from 2005 to 2009. It presents an interesting look at who's been convicted in Cook County and for what reasons. And listeners, you can find Convicted and Cook at convictions.smartchicagoapps.org. Tracy's organization, the Chicago Justice Project, worked with a couple of other NGOs to obtain a pretty large amount of government records, analyze those records, and present conclusions. Tracy, in an interview with WBEZ Radio on January 5th, you said that the county's records regarding drug offenses often lacked complete statute data. You said depending on whether they entered the whole statute or just part of it, you couldn't tell what specific drug the conviction had to do with. When you say they didn't enter the whole statute, who are they that entered the data? Well, as far as we can tell, because it's very hard to access even the process of how it happens, we believe it's the judge's clerks in the courtroom. And at some point, depending on when and where it could actually be the prosecutors, it should be a drop-down system, but it's a very old system. So it doesn't have a drop-down box where the statutes are completely filled out. It's literally a text box that they have to fill in. But it is computer-based. It is computer-based. But it's almost like they're using DOS or something. Yes, it's basically a DOS system, more or less. It was definitely born there. And I don't think it's moved much. It's off a mainframe, and it's pretty much the same green screens they've had for decades. So it's state-of-the-art for the 1980s. Yes, it is really fantastic. It's amazing that you use the same code words when you go on their computers and their system to pull up data that I did 20 years ago. It's fascinating. We call them legacy systems, perhaps. No, it's definitely, it's absolutely a legacy system. Are those clerks employees of the chief judge's office or employees of the clerk of the circuit court? That's a wonderful question. And from what I understand, those are clerks of the circuit court. Okay. So the clerk's office actually maintains the data and the paperwork and all the documents filed in court cases. It's not judges. It's actually the clerks. And while they seem to work together seamlessly in the courtroom, it's two totally different offices that they work for. In your WBEZ interview, you also said you had to exclude some conviction cases for convicted and cook because the records just weren't filled out correctly. What were some other common problems with filling things out that you found? Well, the basic problem was we asked for conviction data, and we had assumed that they could sort it and understand that that was what we were seeking was data on cases that had their original conviction, the first conviction in the case, within our time frame. And what we got was there was a lot of cases where there were some kind of court appearance during our time, but the conviction may have happened five or ten years ago. So from what we were able to determine by sentencing is that there may have been a conviction in an armed robbery case, but actually what we're seeing during this time period is a probation violation. And it pops back up because the system, being a legacy system, to use your language, it's not very refined and nuanced. So we had to go through and pretty much hand sort out cases which 
it was a conviction, but for the type of offense, the 10 or 15 days they got in jail don't add up. So we excluded those, and those were most likely for probation violations. Anything else that became evident was entered incorrectly or sort of an anomalous fashion? Well, just like all the things you would think that you would find in bureaucratic databases that aren't dropped down in click boxes, which is just that, you know, addresses were completely wrong, zip codes were wrong, the zip code would be for the suburban location instead of the city location, but the address is actually in the city. There was plenty of that, but you don't have to think nefarious things are going on, but it's just you know, the bureaucracy working every day and you're asking people to follow, instead of just dropping the address in the zip code and having it must match, which is what new systems would do. And when that doesn't match, it wouldn't accept the file. There are a bunch of empty text boxes and whatever they type in goes. Yeah, so it's real open-ended as far as data entry goes. Absolutely. You described a meeting you had in the office of Cook County Court Chief Judge Timothy Evans. You said that in this meeting a representative of Clerk of the Circuit Court, Dorothy Brown, told you face-to-face, quote, we don't want any more data online than there already is, end quote. What exactly do you think the clerk's representative meant? I certainly took it as if they understood what we were going to do with the data we were requesting. They had researched the organization before they came to the meeting, and that they wanted to maintain control of how the data was put online. I hate to say this, but it was almost kind of a threat, and it was very odd for me. I had never experienced anything in all my years dealing with Cook County government and Chicago government and Illinois. I had never really experienced anything like that, and the judge's representative cut the conversation off at that point and basically ignored it. It's this weird relationship people have to understand. Chief Judge Evans, the chief judge's office, maintains basically ownership over that data. However, the data is maintained by the circuit clerk's office. So even when you have to file a request to get the data with Evan's office, which for all intents and purposes went pretty smoothly for us, that process, you then have to have that request forwarded to the circuit clerk's office when it's done, and then you're in a whole different bureaucracy that has a whole different level of political issues. So what happens is when we send it to Evan, then you get the final approval from Judge Evan's office. That office, the Evan's office, submits it to the circuit clerk's office, and they send you a copy. And they give you a contact person, and you start calling. Well, then it's, you know, really unclear what authority the judge has to force them. We never got to that, but we were getting close to suing the clerk's office. What enforcement powers the judge has to force the clerk's office to open access, they certainly seemed less than willing in our case, because it took us almost 15 months, I think, to finally get the data from the clerk's office once the request was approved. And when the court clerk's representative said that they don't want any more data online than there already is, did you get the impression that they meant that they don't want other people to put it online as opposed to them putting it online? Yeah, so that's exactly what I took it to be. I don't know if they just didn't research us. We want to work with the agencies where we can. We're very dedicated to making sure we're not misinforming people about it. So... The clerk's office really, outside of like exposing dirty data, they don't really have any ore in that, you know, in that boat about worrying about whether or not an analysis of the data is going to make, you know, if you look at sentencing practices or conviction rate or anything like that, it's not going to reflect poorly on the clerk's office. I was really stunned to get that ultimatum, statement, whatever you want to call it. Reaction. Yeah, the data cannot possibly make them look bad. 
So we really weren't sure what it does other than they wanted to make sure they maintained control and they were going to provide it to whoever they wanted to provide it to, and we were ruining that. In the early 2000s, Clerk Brown helped form the Cook County Integrated Criminal Justice Information Systems Committee. The mission of the committee was to provide, quote, accurate, timely, and complete criminal history information, end quote. Click Brown has claimed that very little has come of the committee's efforts due to a lack of funding by the county board and lack of cooperation from the county sheriff and other officials. Have you any insights or opinions about the committee or its work? Yeah, we heard from a source that was involved in that that it basically went nowhere very fast. The first thing they tried to do was a really broad effort to, like, have various municipal police departments share information on the warrants, all kinds of stuff that may not necessarily need to ever be public, but just so they could share it interagency. So, like, the Chicago police would know if the Norwich, you know, for a suburb, police department filed a warrant to search a residence. They kind of shared in criminal history information, all kinds of information, and they just got no cooperation from anyone involved in that process. And from my sources that were right there at the table, that died pretty quickly. How are you or others planning to get more and better data from the court clerk's office? It took us finally a threat of a lawsuit to get access to the data that Evans had granted us access to. We just recently, within the last like week, filed another request with Evans, this time not just for um, conviction data, for all data from the criminal division. Be identified, so we're not going to get people's names. We want to put those online. That's not in our interest. We want to look at patterns across, the, across a whole slew of cases or across the statute or a judge for sentencing. Once that request gets approved, which we hopefully will be in 15, we're preparing to just move pretty quickly for a meeting with the clerk's office and to move pretty quickly to litigation. It's a pretty open question about whether or not what degree the clerk's office is open to the Freedom of Information Act, what ability they have to legally shield the data, and we're not going to wait 15 months ever again for them to make up the mind that we're worthy of them doing their job. We're just going to litigate. What can we expect in the future from Convicted and Cook? Well, our idea, that was to give people a snapshot of what people can learn about the conviction data. Our real main goal, if we get access to the data we're requesting now, is to give people an ongoing look so they can compare year to year across statutes and sentencing policy, demographics of the individuals charged, and who gets better plea bargains by gender and race and all of that, and be able to do all of this real-time over time. I think that Cook side, as much as we're really proud of it, that's really just the tip of the iceberg of what we can know from the state, and we're planning a much, much bigger, updated, almost in live time site that has all of their data. So the initial rollout is essentially just a foundation for what's to follow. Absolutely. It's just the very beginning. All right. Well, thanks for joining me today, Tracy. No problem. Listeners, we welcome your questions and comments. You can email us via contact at shygov.com. I'm Dave Glowatz. Thanks for listening.